Today's episode is one I have been so excited to share with you and it is with my good friend Jonathan Clark who is the campaign coordinator for Apex Harmony which is Sea Shepherd's campaign to protect sharks. He primarily works on the Gold Coast which means I got to spend some time actually going out on the boat and seeing what this campaign is all about. In today's podcast we talk about how Apex Harmony and Sea Shepherd is working together to protect sharks and all that comes along with it. So we talk about the politics associated with it, non-lethal methods that we should be using instead, how much money is being put into this by the Queensland government every year. Hint, it's millions of dollars. We also touch upon what sharks are caught, what humpbacks are caught, what this means for the ecosystem, and of course, how you guys can help and get involved. What I found fascinating is that these shark nets and these drum lines are out there every single day catching animals and most people do not even know they're out there. So I hope this podcast really sheds some light on what's happening out in the oceans in Queensland, in WA, and you people around the world can learn about what's going on. And this is in a very civilized, well-educated country. So. I hope that you learn a lot from this. I know I did, and yeah, you enjoyed this episode. Uh, as always, I would highly, highly appreciate if you could take a moment and actually rate this podcast on your podcast playing app or iTunes or Spotify. It is a new podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could click that five star uh, rating. As well, if you want to hear from anyone or have me interview anyone, please send me an email or contact me on one of my social medias. You can find me on Instagram or YouTube on Vegan Diver Cat. I also want to say a special thank you to all my Patreons who have been supporting me in this journey for ocean conservation for the last year. So thank you so much, Patreons. And if you want to become a Patron and help support this podcast, you can do that. Or you can get yourself a Plastic is the Killer t-shirt, which raises awareness about plastic pollution and helps put in some money into a good cause. Now that we covered all of that, without further ado, let's get into it. Every day there's a new news story about the crisis facing our ocean, whether it's the plastic issue, overfishing, pollution. If the oceans die, we die. Fortunately, we have plenty of environmental activists, marine conservationists, and eco-warriors who are out there every day fighting to protect our oceans and our Earth. On the Ocean Pancake Podcast, we're going to be hearing from some of them about how to decrease our environmental footprint, go plastic-free, participate in ocean conservation, cleanups, and even maybe some marine science. So welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast, where the goal is sustainability and living a turquoise life. My name is Kat Andreskova, and I'm your host today. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast. Today, I am here with Jonathan Clark who is the coordinator for the Apex Harmony campaign, which is one of Sea Shepherd's campaigns operating mainly in Queensland. So this campaign is fantastic. I actually had a chance to go out on the boat with uh, Jonathan and a few other Sea Shepherd volunteers. But basically, uh, welcome to the podcast, Jono. How are you today? <laughs> hey, great. Uh, thanks, Kat, for uh, the opportunity to come onto your uh, podcast and uh, have a chat. I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. Let's just get started with what got you involved with ocean conservation and Sea Shepherd in the first place. Kind of a little bit of your background. Oh, crikeys. Um, well, I, I, I wasn't a kid that grew up around the ocean at all. I was a country kid. Uh, but um, I, I guess it was uh, later in life that uh, I found the ocean and found Sea Shepherd. And, it, and for me, it started with, uh, mm. with reading a book that uh, described one of the uh, Southern Ocean campaigns uh, where Paul Watson had gone down with the crew up against uh, the whalers down there. And, uh, and that just got me interested in, um, I, I guess, uh, for Sea Shepherd, the attraction for me was that uh, nonviolent direct action. Uh, they, they, they mean business, they do it well. And, uh, and so I, after reading that book and uh, finding out a little bit about, about it, I uh, did a bit of research and found that Brisbane had its own chapter for Sea Shepherd and I went along and I, th I think it was about somewhere between 2011 and 2013, 
I'm not very good with my, my dates, but um, in that period, I'd, um, I'd, I'd managed to go to a fundraiser, uh, meet Paul Watson, uh, go to a Brisbane chapter meeting, meet a few people there, and uh, it only, only took uh, another year or so before I was involved in uh, the shark campaign and uh, finding out all about uh, uh, the Queensland Shark Control Program, and, and uh, from there it went. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was a quick, quick kind of involvement. It just shows that anyone can get involved if they're passionate enough. Um, what is the Apex Harmony campaign? So can you tell us about that? Well, the Apex Harmony campaign is, is Sea Shepherd's Shark campaign. And uh, over the years, it's had, um, ha had a few different uh, uh, branches to it, I guess. There was... Um, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Gary Stokes out of Hong Kong ran a very successful part of the campaign in Timor-Leste. And, uh, but these days, our major focus is in Queensland. And um, in the past, we've been very involved in New South Wales. And uh, really, Apex Harmony got its going, uh, got kicked off in 2014 in Western Australia. So... You know, there's been quite a few uh, places that we've been active in, but probably the most um, constant has been uh, up here in Queensland. So in Queensland, basically what is happening is the government has decided to do these shark control programs. Now, what I found surprising is living there for, what, six years? Basically, no one around us is very familiar what these shark control programs are. So can you enlighten the kind of general public about what the government is actually trying to do or what they are doing? It, it's kind of interesting, isn't it, Kat? Because I, I know you've been down there and, and spoken to people on the beach and, and uh, even amongst your own contacts and, and uh, find that people are, are generally unaware about it. In fact, I knew not much about uh, the shark control program really before my involvement in, in Sea Shepherd uh, started in around about 2012 or so. A lot of people in Queensland uh, seem to be aware that there are these boys off our off our swimming beaches, uh, and they've got something to do with supposedly protecting people from sharks. Uh, some people are aware of shark nets and uh, drum lines. Uh, one of the, the the games I like to play with people is when we get into a conversation about you know what I'm doing and that sort of thing. I'll ask them, you know. Uh, to describe for me what a what a shark net is like, and often people will talk to me about or, or describe to me uh, uh, some a net that is effectively in their mind a barrier. You know, uh, goes from the surface down to the down to the uh, ocean floor and and somehow covers a whole beach, uh, and and that's clearly not the case. It's not even really described that way at all by the Queensland government on their website. But uh, as you and I know, people don't go to government websites to really no. learn. <laughs> very specifically interested in something. So, look, there's a high level of in, um, ignorance in our public, um, even amongst the politicians who are in control of this. So, in Queensland, we've got uh, drum lines that extend as far north as. Uh, just north of Cairns at Ellis Beach. Uh, 384, I think the number is uh, on the latest count. Uh, and they extend, like I say, from Ellis Beach, north of Cairns, all the way down to Snapper Rocks, which is right near the Queensland, New South Wales border on the Gold Coast. There are also 27 shark nets that extend from the Gold Coast uh, up as far north as Mackay. And uh, over the years, you know, some of the configurations have changed, but that's essentially what the program uh, consists of, uh, shark nets and drum lines, lethal uh, technologies that haven't changed since 1962 when the system was first put in. And uh, since then, uh, still, you know, in the order of um, 86, 87,000 uh, animals. Actually, Kat, we might just... Um, just uh, check that. Uh, I believe the number of animals caught by the Queensland Shark Control Program since 1962 is approaching 90,000 animals. So from the latest, from the latest um, reports I actually found from the government, it's that in the last 52 years, 
they caught 57,000 sharks and then 30 other, 30,000 other animals. So unknown animals. So this would have been yeah. the turtles, the, the rays and all the other things that are getting caught. Dolphins, up. whales, rays, turtles. Yeah. Yeah. So look, um, just as a rule of thumb, looking across the data over the years, it's remained fairly consistent. About one of one third of the animals caught are not sharks. Um, one of the astounding things is that uh, the Queensland Shark Control Program still targets 19 different species of sharks, and um, that that list is. Um, a whole lot of sharks that really uh, shouldn't be, well, th th this is one of the difficulties, none of the sharks should be on this list. Um, and, and a lot of people would, would consider, you know, the big three, uh, uh, tigers, bulls and whites, to be what uh, would be targeted by such a program. But uh, in reality, the Queensland Shark Control Program targets 19 species, including things like the blue shark, um, the longfin mako, uh, uh, great hammerhead. There's, there's an interesting one, the, the great hammerhead. Um, so it, it's a crazy list. It's been, it's been reduced. Uh, the, the, the targeted species list has been reduced in, in recent years. Back in 2017, they, uh, they reduced that, um, the number of species targeted, but um, they changed nothing in their practices other than what they would do if they found one still alive in the gear, because any of those 19 species in Queensland are killed uh, when they're found on, on the gear. So on the drum lines or the nets, um, they take them out and, and, and shoot them. Uh, simple as that. Uh, all in the name of, a, um, of, of beach safety. And uh, it's our contention, that, of course, that uh, none of these practices, of course, make people any safer at beaches. Yeah, so to kind of give people an even better idea of why we're saying that these practices don't make the beaches safer, let's kind of describe for them what a shark net really is, because it is not that enclosed, complete enclosed space that a lot of people are picturing, which they have seen on beaches, but that's predominantly used in far north Queensland against like jellyfish or maybe crocs. Um, uh, you're talking about the um, the stinger nets that are used uh, in, in North Queensland. So. Uh, yeah, in North Queensland, uh, in the, in the um, areas from, I think, about Townsville North, uh, stinger nets are used during the season when uh, the uh, Irukandji and box jellyfish are, are prevalent, and uh, people can swim in those areas reasonably safely. Uh, but the, while those enclosed beaches, uh, they're actually removed uh, uh, for a lot of the year. Uh, shark nets are a completely different story. Uh, shark nets are in Queensland are 186 metres long. They're between four and six metres deep uh, in the water and they're generally in 12 metres deep of water. So that's a lot of space underneath those, those shark nets. The shark nets in Queensland being 186 metres long, they're around about 450 metres from the shore. So that's a lot of space. Uh, around which uh, all sorts of animals uh, can swim. So people really do have to get that idea out of their head that they're any kind of barrier that is a prevention for sharks approaching beaches. They're absolutely nothing like, like that. They are just a fishing device. And you know, the, the way I describe it to people is that it's the kind of safety program you get when you put it in charge of fishermen. Um, so it is really just a fishing program. Uh, and, and we know that in the order of 40% of the animals caught in these nets are caught on the inside of the net. So these are sharks that have been around the ends of the nets, have been into the beach and back out again. So a lot of the animals that are caught have already been in close proximity, possibly interacted with, uh, with humans and, uh, and far more often than not had no ill effects at all. Uh, so as far as safety, you know, putting uh, fishing nets out from beaches is just a ridiculous idea, especially when you consider the, 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 the really good technologies that are now available. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that at some point. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and what about the drum lines? So what, what are those? 
Yeah, yeah, really just another glorified fishing device. Uh, <laughs> a, a, a drum line's a, a, a large buoy. You can see them from the beach. Uh, and these are anchored to the seafloor. And around about six to eight metres down from that, hanging by a chain and rope, is a really large hook. Uh, a large a hook sort of my hand span in size. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've got fairly big hands. So, um, uh, but, you know... A large hand span in size would be this this hook, uh, generally baited with either shark or ray uh, flesh, or um, or mullet, and uh, these are uh, rebaited every couple of days or so. And uh, once again, like the nets, about 450 metres from the shore. Uh, I don't know if, if people have this idea that a drumline somehow prevents sharks from interacting with people or coming in close to the shore, then they're, they're very much mistaken. They are really just a fishing device. The objective of the Queensland Shark Control Program is, is wholly and solely to kill sharks. Full stop. That's it. Yeah, because what, what is, I, I never understood, like when that was first described to me, I just didn't understand. How is it a good idea to have baited hooks near the beaches? You, you, yeah. I don't even understand what they're thinking behind the... <laughs> The creation was, you know what I mean. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. It's look. It's it's a it's a thinking that that goes far back as uh, uh, New South Wales in 1937 put out their own uh, shark nets, and uh, 1962 in Queensland it was shark nets and and drum lines, and the thinking is really quite simple. The idea is that if you fish down the number of sharks near a beach then you're going to have less chance of interactions with human beings. Um, and look, it's, it's possibly one of the factors that, that, that may have something to do with, with uh, you know, negative shark interactions, with, with shark bites on people, but it's really such a complex area. Um, so we know from other uh, studies that have been done, in particular in Hawaii, where we know that when uh, sharks have been killed for, for decades, that it has no effect on the, the number of uh, shark bite incidents that do ultimately occur. Um, so other factors that include the most uh, prevalent one, of course, is the number of people in the ocean. That's the, the number one factor uh, in, in, in whether or not, uh, or the risk of shark bite incidents. There are the, a whole lot of other factors, such as uh, you know weather conditions, recent recent weather events, um, what the uh, the wildlife uh, situation is in the area, whether there's bait balls in the area. Uh, those sorts of things uh, affect the risk of shark bite uh, uh, incidents. And so, pure, the the idea of simply fishing down uh, the number of sharks in an area is, is really not shown to, uh, you know, reduce the, the chances of, of shark bites. And it's been shown uh, through the science. And, and the science can't show the counter idea that, uh, that you make beaches safer by, by killing sharks. It it's just isn't there in the, in the scientific literature. Yeah, I tried to find it. And even on the official government websites, you can't find any evidence to back this up and it's really hard to navigate i think they made because <laughs> i struggled to even find the number of drum lines but i did manage uh and i kind of just wanted to read these numbers out so for people who are listening who live in queensland just so you know if you go out to your local beach and look out the you know the boys that you're seeing out there are drum lines or nets so the gold coast has 35 drum lines North Stradbroke has 35. The Sunshine Coast has 78 drumlines. Rainbow Beach goes to 12. Bundaberg has about 20. Tanham Sands, 12. Capricorn Coast, that whole area, has 54. Mackay, 45. Townsville, 54. And then Cairns, 38. So yeah, that's 383 um, drumlines, according to the government. So that is yep. um, just the entire coast. And they're going out there, as you were saying, to bait these drum lines every couple of days. Yeah. Here's one of the astounding things with that too, Kat, is that 173 of those drum lines that you just listed 
are actually placed within the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park. Mm. So this, this is a place that is a tourism drawcard for, for the world. It's, it's, a, it's, it's iconic. And yet the Queensland government thinks it's okay to go out there and deliberately target sharks with this, this government fishing program. Um, so 173 drum lines within an area designated to protect marine life. Go figure. A very important part of the marine life. And as, as Harry, you also know, we go to see the sharks, you know? Oh, absolutely. I, <laughs> I, I, I did that last weekend for the first time in a long time. It was fantastic. I, I got to reset the uh, surface interval on my dive computer just last weekend and, and got to go and swim with the, uh, the grey nurses and wobbegongs and, uh, down at Julian Rocks. It was just lovely. <laughs> I do like yeah. Julian Rocks. That's, that's some good diving down there. Um, oh, it's, it's, it's just a lovely place to get going back to, yeah. <laughs> for anyone who hasn't dived, I would highly recommend checking out Julian's Rocks off Byron Bay. You get to dive with sharks there. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And uh, getting or yes. in, uh, it, Isn't it lovely to go and um, dive in with, with, uh, with the, these animals who, who are there doing what they're meant to be doing and... Uh, and just in that natural environment, you can go and go and enjoy it. And you know, when, when you think about places like Julian Rocks in New South Wales, and we've got um, Wolf Rock, which is just another amazing shark dive site off uh, Rainbow Beach in Queensland. And and these are places that um, are, are great tourism drawcards. And uh, and yet we've got our government saying that they have this shark culling program uh, in place for tourism. And, and, and yet we've got a really significant tourism industry that you know, absolutely fundamentally needs and wants sharks alive in a healthy ocean. Uh, and, and everywhere um, that sharks make much more money when they're alive. We've seen it in uh, the Philippines, in the Bahamas, in Fiji, all these massive tourism industries fully depending on shark dives. And, and very well documented too, and, uh, and, and easy to find out about, uh, it, it, it's amazing. So, you know, for, for, for Queensland to be so backwards in this uh, it is, just continues to be astounding. And uh, uh, I, I hope that, uh, you know, over time we can um, enlighten enough people that we can change this. And that's, that's really what we're trying to do. Definitely. Um, I find it interesting because in places like the Bahamas, I forgot the number right now, but it's in the millions um, that basically comes in just for the diving and especially the shark diving. So millions of dollars yeah. are brought in every year into the industry because of sharks. Yet in Queensland, what is the actual cost of all these drum lines and shark nets to be put up, maintained, baited every three days? Because of course, they have to hire contractors to get out there on the boat. And we actually saw these um, a couple of months ago when I was on the Grey Nurse with uh, Jonathan and a couple of other volunteers. We saw the fishing contractors going out there and baiting these hooks. Um, so these, these guys are getting paid a lot of money and they're out there every three days baiting, what, the 383 drum lines? So how much is that costing uh, the... Yeah, it's, it's an astounding amount of money. Uh money cap those those contracts are very very valuable and uh it was interesting that um even though the current queensland government's policy is exp expressly ex sorry expressly um written that uh they're supposedly moving towards non-lethal technologies mm -hmm. in the latest budget they've just almost doubled the funding towards the Queensland Shark Control Program. So where it was 14.1 uh, or $14.3 million over um, each four years, they've just added another $17 million per four years uh, to that. And, but within that uh, latest budget increase of um, 17 odd million dollars, they've put $4 million over four years. So that's only $1 million per year into research towards uh, new technologies. So don't even talk about non-lethal technologies. They talk about new technologies. And I guess that 
covers them for the possibility of things like smart drum lines later on, which is just another type of type of drum line. But um, so we're talking uh, around about seven to eight million dollars a year, recently nearly doubled. Um, and, and I say nearly doubled without changing any of the current practices. So while we know that, um, for example, another one of the huge tourism draw, um, draw cards into this state of Queensland is, is the humpback whale migration. Mm -hmm. That's got to be worth millions upon millions of dollars in tourism to this, to this country, uh, to, to this state in Queensland. And, uh, and we've got some amazing places like uh, Harvey Bay, for example, which is, you know, just an icon in, in, uh, in this type of tourism. It's just an amazing place to go and watch humpback whales. It's, and, and all of those operators up there pay huge fees to our government to be able to operate uh, the, those businesses that, that, that draw in so much tourism to this, to this state. And yet we've got this shark control program off our state that isn't removed during the um, wild migration season and each year uh, catches and, and uh, almost every year will kill humpback whales. So in Queensland, yes, our shark control program actually kills humpback whales, which is, is just a complete nutter nonsense. And uh, one of our battles is, has been to try and convince our, our government to even take that first step uh, and, and at least remove uh, the shark nets during uh, whale migration season. And they just are so belligerent that they're, they're, they're not doing it. Um, so, so this year we've already had at least three whales caught in, in, in the shark nets in, in Queensland. And, uh, and let me tell you, just incidentally, those uh, whales are not even recorded accurately in, in the state data. So, we can't even trust our government to, to tell us the truth about what's happening uh, in, in the shark control program, even in relation to something as obvious as, as whales being captured. Uh, the numbers haven't been matching up for the last few years. Really? So... Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I did, a, did a close count uh, two years ago and... Uh, just by watching media reports, I counted um, what I believe to be 11 whales caught directly in uh, shark control program equipment in shark nets in Queensland. And for a long time, the data, uh, the official data said four. It now says eight for the 2017 season. Uh, this year, we've had uh, three uh, humpback whales caught in, in shark nets in Queensland and only one whale is recorded. It seems pretty easy to get um, sympathy for, for mammals, like, uh, like whales and dolphins uh, caught in, in, in shark nets and things, but it's very difficult to get any uh, empathy uh, in Queensland uh, generally um, for animals like uh, sharks and, and, and rays and, and even turtles. It's, it's just astounding that again and again and again we can uh, uh, find these animals and, and, and push out the images and uh, we get very little uh, traction in, in certain parts of the state and um, we get very, very little traction with our, with our um, mainstream politicians. Uh, it, it's very disappointing and, uh, and, and a difficult uh, road for us, but uh, rest assured we're uh, keeping at it and, and we're keeping at it despite... Oh, some some real difficulties that are occurring. So, um, last uh, sorry earlier this year, um, the Humane Society International, who who are working in this space as well as us, uh, they launched an amazing um, legal action uh, in Queensland. They took the Queensland Government and the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority to the Queensland Administrative Appeals Tribunal on the basis that the 173 drum lines uh, permitted in the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park um, shouldn't have been uh, uh, permitted because the purpose of the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority is to uh, uh, preserve uh, marine wildlife in, in, 
in the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park. So it's nonsensical to be doing a shark cut up there. And, and the court agreed. But um, the Queensland government, instead of uh, taking what was a golden opportunity to get out of the program, they could have got, got out of the program saying, you know, the courts have taught, found against us, the science has found against us, and that's been shown in court. They had the perfect out. They had the perfect out to change from a lethal program and put their funding into uh, non-lethal programs that have been shown to work. Instead of doing that, they ran to the federal government who um, don't have a minister for the environment. They have a minister against the environment. And they, well, it's a fact. It's a fact. We, we, um, and so the federal government has supported them in an appeal that only got heard uh, this, um, this Monday. So this week it was, the appeal was heard. So the Queensland government appealed against that decision instead of embracing it. And uh, we're hoping to hear back on that uh, decision in about a month's time. But, you know, we've got a, a government at the moment that their own policy it says that they should be embracing uh, non-lethal technologies, that they should be investing in, in proper research. Uh, and you can infer from that that they darn well ought to be going away from the current technologies and finding new, new solutions. They have the perfect opportunity to do that, and yet the Minister for Fisheries turns around and uh, seeks to uphold the current program that's been in place in, since 1962 using 1930s technology. It's, well, it, it, it's a crazy situation. And that's that seven to eight million dollars a year, which is getting pumped into the basically the fishing industry because that's who's getting the contracts, and it's not the environment that's the priority, or you know the shark. I mean the the safety of the swimmers because it is more about, as you said, the glorified fishing program. Um, well, you know, it it seems crazy to me, um, but but I understand it. It really is just a matter, matter of convenience that, that this program sits under the Department of Fisheries. Yes. Why would you put a Department of Fisheries in charge of a beach safety program? It's illogical, except okay. that they're the people with fishing nets and, and hooks. Yeah. Um, and so the whole philosophy of the program is, is, is a shark color. They're about killing sharks, not making beaches safer. Um, I, to my mind, I'd love to see the program taken away from fisheries. Put in the hands of the Department of Science and Environment. That is logical. Put it in the hands of the Department of Science and Environment and you can have the program informed by science and made with an environmental uh, you know, philosophy behind it. So let's look at how we can look after the environment and use some science to find a way to increase beach safety. And you do that in the same way that uh, uh, we make people safer from crocodiles. You've been in North Queensland. Yeah. Uh, Kat, you know, you've got direct experience with what we do up there, hey? Yeah. We keep people safe from crocodiles through an education program. There's, yeah. there's signage everywhere to say, tell, telling people about crocodiles and the personal actions you can take to make yourself safe uh, in that environment. Why can't that work for sharks? We've got a magnificent surf life-saving uh, organization that that keeps people genuinely safe at beaches uh, from you know the most risk risky um, event that can occur at the beaches and that's drowning we we get lots of people drown at our beaches but gee we got a lot of people saved by the surf life saving uh, society so they are absolute experts at it you know what I'd like to see Kat instead of that nearly 20 million dollars pumped um, the extra $20 million pumped into the shark control program, program's culling practices, why didn't they turn around and put a drone program in the hands of the Surf Life Saving Society who, you know, have the expertise of monitoring beaches? Give them the flexibility to cover beaches with uh, some amazing drone technology, the, the spectral imaging technology that's emerging now that already is capable of... of uh, spotting sharks at, at beaches and, and you can have the flexibility to do it over the swimming beaches as well as the surf beaches and have the flexibility to have it mobile so it could be 
where the surfers are surfing, which of course is where the surf happens to be on any given day. We could do this and we could do it with modern technologies. And number one on my list is drone technology, along with an education program and along with supporting other technologies like personal protection devices, the electronic devices that are out on the market now. As long as they're supported by good independent science, we're there, Sea Shepherd's with it to uh, promote this and, and, and have a far better solution. And you are that's my that's about, my rant. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're talking about all the non-lethal programs or technologies or possibilities that the world has. I know in South Africa, which is you know one of the leading places in the world with great whites, um, they have had just a flag system with different colors saying, "Hey, there's a shark. Hey, there's not a shark. Go swimming or don't go swimming." For how many years now? And you know that works. Yeah, that the shark spotters in 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 South Africa is amazing for its simplicity and its effectiveness and, and, and this contribution to science. You know, they, they've done an amazing job there contributing to the science. And, and we're talking about a system that operates in the, probably the most white sharky area yeah. in the world and also one of the most amazing surf areas in the world. Combine those two and over the 14 or 15 years, They've had one fatality, and that one fatality occurred when a surfer decide to, decided to defy the flag system mm -hmm. and went out against direct information saying that there were white sharks in that area at the time. That guy really sadly lost his life, and, um, but that's the only you know, really negative incident that they've had in that program. Why couldn't we have that at suitable places yeah. uh, in Queensland? Now, it's not going to operate everywhere. We don't have the geography that they've got there, but we've got high-rise high buildings on the Gold Coast. Yep. Um, you know, we've we got... Uh, possibility for drones. We have the money huh. for drones, clearly. Yep. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely, we do. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it, it's crazy. We've got, we've got the money there. We've got a whole lot of... Um, uh, infrastructure that would make it so possible to work. It's just um, we have such a belligerent uh, uh, government, and a whole lot of our our population is, is like this too. And uh, and that's that's the the challenge we have is to, is to change that attitude and 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 get that education out there. And um, you know. There's a bunch of us working in this space. It's not, it's not just Apex Harmony and Sea Shepherd, although we've been a prime mover in this um, since around about 2014 officially. Mm -hmm. We had boats on the water um, in 2013. So we've been operating in this, this space for over six years now and, uh, and it's a hard slog. But, um, you know, there's other organisations out, out there doing it as well. And, uh, and, you know, we're all in it together and we're all... Uh, supporting each other and, uh, and trying to make this, this, this change is so necessary. So what is the goal with Apex Harmony? So I was on the boat with you guys, so I, I know you get to take Grey Nurse out and go and check out these drum lines, but can you describe, so what does a day look like? What is the goal? What are you doing out there, essentially? Yeah, okay. So, so when, I, when, I wanna, uh, when I answer the question about what our goal is, we can look at you know, what we do on a day and, and the bigger picture. So I'll start with, you know, what we do on a day. Uh, we take our boat out uh, to the, the nets and the drum lines. And uh, I've, I've personally done this on every single net and drum line in the whole system from north of Cairns to uh, the Gold Coast. I've taken our boat, Grey Nurse, out to document every single net and drum line in this state. But our focus, mostly because of where our personnel are, is the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast uh, here in Queensland. We take the boat out uh, and we've been, we put our boat right up beside the drum lines or along the shark nets and we look, we directly look at the nets and the drum lines. We record data around about what bait is on the, on the uh, drum lines. Um, and we find that most of the time there is no bait on the drum lines, by the way. Um, and we've, we look for animals in the, in the net and, and we record, we document this. We get in the water with our cameras and 
just so that we can let people know what's going on there and we get these images out there. We're really restricted in what we'd like to do. We'd love to be out there uh, performing rescues, but uh, most of the time what we find there is not live. We do find from time to time live animals. Um, as soon as we do find live animals, our number one uh, action is to report this to the Shark Control Program hotline so that we can get action on that. And, and we've uh, so many times had uh, been integral in the, in the rescue of animals uh, through that method. So do people uh, come out and rescue the animals if you call them and say, hey, there's a ray in the net or a turtle? Yeah, good question. Uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no. It depends. Um, sometimes I think it depends on uh, who's on the other end of the telephone at the time. Sometimes it depends on what type of animal it is. They seem to care more for animals that breathe air than ones that uh, get their oxygen from the water. So when it's a turtle, there's more chance of it being uh, rescued. When it's a, um, a, a ray, often it won't be. Uh, sometimes when it's, uh, if it's a targeted shark, it definitely uh, won't be rescued. And even when it's an endangered non-target shark, as we found in Townsville, uh, sometimes we're told we're not coming out, it's the contractor's day off. So we've had all manner of responses and they're not terribly consistent. And uh, you know, that can be really quite distressing on, on, uh, on our crew when we're in those situations. But uh, we keep doing it again and again and again. But um, we've recently had a great deal of um, barrier put in our way uh, on these because, you know, instead of, <laughs> instead of hearing the public and the logic, the, um, the Queensland government have um, certainly shown they don't appreciate what we do out there. Uh, we're out there bringing transparency to this program and uh, we know that they're getting under our skin because uh, Last year, they brought, out, brought in legislation designed to prevent us doing this, and, and now there is a 20-metre exclusion zone on the gear. So the 20-metre exclusion zone, uh, or the legislation, says that uh, people are not allowed within 20 metres of the gear. Um, the, 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 me the message that the, uh, the minister and the, uh, and the politicians are putting out there is that this is for safety of people and all this sort of stuff. So they're finally acknowledging that the gear isn't safe for people to be around. Um, but uh, we know that they're, they're targeting us and our actions because we're out there showing people what's really happening. Um, but uh, let me tell you that uh, this is not stopping Sea Shepherd crews from going out and bringing images to the public. So we're working as hard as effort, ever to continue our program to, to show people what's actually happening out there. So watch this space, people. We're still there. We're still going to keep doing it and, uh, and uh, you know, show people what's happening to try and change this for the marine creatures that are, you know, quietly dying in those nets and drum lines on a, on a daily basis in Queensland. Um, so that's our daily goals, but um, when I talk about... Uh, our goals overall, Kat, we need to get rid of the, the lethal methods of the shark control program. But we know that we're working in a political environment and yeah. we acknowledge that that's gonna be something that's very difficult to achieve in one go. So, you know, our message to the Queensland government is, let's start by doing things like uh, removing the nets during the wild migration season. Make that, make that a first step. That can be a win-win. They, they can get a lot of positive publicity out there. But you know, while you're doing that, Let's quietly put in a program of drone technology to show that we can cover beaches and let people know we're doing it and run an education program around that. I think a, a positive program run by the government to demonstrate that they're eco-friendly is going to be a tourism draw card. This can be a win-win. Get the surf ice savers on board and do that. Then when you, when you establish that this stuff actually works, you can pull the nets out permanently and then get the drum lines out. Um, it can be done on a phasing out type program while you phase in the, uh, the non-lethals. And you know what, Sea Shepherd would be prepared to take that on board and work with the government and work with an education system that, that would, would you know, enact something like that. And then we're open for that talk and that planning uh, rather than being 
you know, shut out and sidelined is, is what the government's trying to do. It's, it's really such a shame that they're taking the approach they are. Yeah. So I, I guess part of our goal too is, is motivating people to, to uh, help the government understand that people care about this stuff. So every time I find myself talking about it, I, I say to people, you know, what can you do about it? And, and that is that, that action of going in and make an appointment with your local politician, with your local MP. If you're a Queenslander, go and make an appointment and sit down with your local politician and talk to them about your concerns for the marine environment, your concerns for uh, uh, tourism and, and, and looking after our oceans. Write them an email, make a phone call. These things are actually pretty easy to do. It's about making the commitment to do it and we, we hope that people can uh, decide to do it. And uh, we're always there to support people in doing so. Yeah, well, you, you just about answered my last question, which was what, what would you tell people to do if they want to help? So, of course, get in contact with these political leaders, because unfortunately, that is how the world works. It's money and politics, yeah. which is running these things. Um, but what other things can they do? Um, how can they get involved if they're, you know, from all over the world? Because people all over the world care about sharks and they don't like yeah. let's Let's never forget the importance of personal conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, people having conversations with their friends about this stuff um, and you know you can't care about this stuff if you don't know about it yeah. so it's, it's getting getting that uh, that sort of thing happening in lunchrooms at people's workplaces down at the beach uh, in our homes at our parties that sort of thing, you know, when you're talking with people about what you enjoy at the beach, talk about enjoying uh, marine life and, and hoping that, that um, we can protect things rather than destroy things. Get those conversations amongst people. You never know who might prick their ears up and go, you know what, I've got the capacity to get involved at another level. I might join an organisation like Sea Shepherd. Um, we have chapters all over the world. Um, people who get in and get passionate from fundraising through to direct action, all sorts of people have different levels of ability and desire to, to um, and capacity to do things. You know, some people might want to get on a ship and go and uh, contribute that way. Some people might want to get on a stall and, and talk to people or sell t-shirts to raise money so that other people can do the direct action. There's also those powerful social media campaigns and, and following uh, these campaigns like the Apex Harmony campaign on, on Facebook and Instagram and, and pushing those messages out and having the conversations that way. So, uh, you know, isn't it amazing the, the social media tools that we've got now to, to get those uh, uh, messages out there? And uh, I don't know, I'm, I, sometimes I think uh, governments don't like this because <laughs> it, yeah, it allows people to be educated and understand and, and really um you know push for what they believe in but you know they darn well should be listening because we're the people who ultimately vote yeah but, yeah and i think a lot of people really under underestimate their own power and i i think that education is one of the biggest things so if you're listening to this and you're surprised by some of the things you've learned about what a shark net really is or what a drumline is or how many there are or how much it's costing the government please send this to your friends and let them know because I was shocked by how many people in the dive industry, in the water, who are working on the Great Barrier Reef don't know these things. So I would point out like, hey, do you see that, that boy? What do you think it is? They're like, oh, we don't know. It's all drum lines. Mm -hmm. So if you're in Queensland, go and check out your local beach and you'll be surprised that they really are there and they're really, they're catching animals every day. And if you're working in Australia, your tax paying dollar is going towards uh, these shark culling programs, which we know do not work uh, to make the beaches any safer. So um, that is really what you guys can do if you want to get involved and help out. But I think that's 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 all we wanted to cover today, Jonathan. Any part of, any parting words? Any words of wisdom for uh, ocean warriors out there? Oh look, uh, I, I guess all those ocean warriors know that the number one thing is to get out into the ocean and enjoy it as much as you can. Uh, the more you get out there and enjoy it, the more you keep your surface intervals short, uh, 
the more you're going to enjoy it, the more you're going to tell your, your, your friends and your family about it and the more that people are going to care about it. So uh, let's, let's go with just understanding and caring and, and, uh, and develop that and uh, understand there's you know, a beautiful world out there that we can uh, contribute to, to its preservation and, uh, and, and enjoyment. Yeah. Very, very well put. So, um, but yeah, thank you so much for being on uh, the podcast today and I'm sure we'll hear from you soon and hopefully we will hear what happens at the tribunal. What, at the, what's yeah, that? the Administrative Appeals Tribunal. Let's hope that the decision's upheld and uh, we can start to see a tumbling of that, that lethal system. But uh, hey, Kat, thanks for being the ocean warrior you are. Thanks for coming out. Uh, with us those times that you have come out on uh, Grey Nurse and being part of our, our Sea Shepherd campaign. And thanks everyone for listening. It's, uh, it's been a long ride and uh, I hope that um, I've uh, helped enlighten you somewhat. Hey? Cheers. I'm sure you have. once again for joining me on this podcast Jono I really appreciated it as always you have enlightened us with so much information and I hope the audience really did learn something new for all of you guys who do want to get involved with Sea Shepherd check out the local chapter in your area otherwise you can buy a t-shirt support them online share things on social media basically all the things that Jono said there are so many ways you can help and just by being passionate and loving the ocean you are already doing one step further. So I hope to see you guys in the ocean sometimes helping me protect this beautiful blue planet and living that turquoise life. Of course, I also need to say a big thank you to Graham Mose who lets me use the fantastic beats that you hear in this podcast. He's incredible. He's based in Brisbane. If you're around that area, make sure to check him out and see him live or anything like that. Uh, of course, thank you guys so much for listening. I couldn't do this without you guys. So yeah, if there's anything you want to hear, let me know. Otherwise, yeah, I'll see you guys next time. Bye.